0: on this episode of artsy engineering radio join anna Carey, john Alured, justin bennett and matt dole as they discuss how artsy's engineering culture has changed as the team has grown making the software industry more inclusive and what it means to be a quote-unquote good engineer all that and more coming up Welcome back to Artsy Engineering Radio. I'm Matt Dole, and I'm an engineer on the Partner Experience team here at Artsy. And today I'm in conversation with Justin Bennett, Anna Carey, and John Alured. We don't really have a name for this mini series, if it is an, even is a mini series, but we're here to just have a conversation about whatever's on our minds today. So, super casual. Do you all want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I can go first. Um, as you said, I'm John.
1: I work on the Grow team, I'm an engineer here at Artsy. How about you, Anna?
2: Hey guys, I'm Anna. I'm an engineer on the Partner Experience team with Matt. Great to be here. And what about you, Justin?
3: I'm Justin, also an engineer here at Artsy. Uh, I'm on the Grow team with John. Should we be saying more about ourselves? They're like, oh, great. That's what team they work on. Who are these people?
0: (laughs) Well, I feel like also the, the teams might not make sense outside of Artsy, right? I think we talked about that a little bit. Like John, you had an episode with Joanna a little while back about our PDDE structure, which is worth listening to if you haven't already, but maybe the very short version is the team that Anna and I am on partner experience. We focus on building tools that our gallery and auction partners use to manage their presence on artsy, to upload artworks, to sell things, right? Uh, When they're managing those sales, that's happening through the stuff that we're building. John, do you want to touch briefly on your team?
1: Yeah, I think it's not uncommon for um organizations to have a team at the top of the funnel, and that's what the Grow team is for Artsy. So when I say that, I mean a team that's focused on like, you know, that onboarding experience, the new user acquisition, maybe SEO, that happens to be in our wheelhouse. So yeah, we're 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 sort of thinking about like that first impression of Artsy from the collector's point of view. How's that, Justin? Did I do it justice? Yeah, yeah.
3: He he did good. He did good. Nice.
1: Um, Cool. So this, like we said, was going to be kind of a casual convo. I wrote down three topic ideas. And so we can see if these lead anywhere. And I was going to ask you, so you had an episode where you were um, describing your journey and I listened to it. And one thought I had while listening to it was like, man, like uh, maybe a little projection, but if I were you and I got let go, I would not be like eager to come back. So I'm curious to hear how you like emotionally dealt with, being let go, having that turn into some fire about joining this engineering industry that we're all in, and like your path to coming back to artsy from like, I don't know, like how did you let that ego set to the side or whatever?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And definitely that word ego came up for me a lot through the process. And it took some time. Like, I think that I uh, have, it's been important for me to not sugarcoat that experience of feeling. Uh, really sad at that time. You know, Artsy was going through a lot at that time, a big leadership change. I think I talked about it in my episode, my layoff was part of like a bigger restructuring and a bigger round of layoffs that, uh, that Artsy went through at that time. Um, so yes, definitely it was, uh, I would say blow to the ego, uh, really sad and hard. Artsy was a company that, you know, I had spent the first four years of my career. I was really passionate about the space that we're in. Um, So it was hard, but with that said, I think that I really understood on a deep level, like why Artsy made those changes and also sort of like keeping track of the company during the time that I was away, Uh, just being really excited about the changes that were happening and the structure and the new leadership that was coming in um, and, and sort of hearing more about that and starting to become more excited about that as I was sort of Starting my job search several months later after I finished my boot camp. Um, and in terms of sort of why engineering was interesting to me, you know, I often say that I was really lucky to land my first job at a tech company because what I was really interested in when I started my career was working. In art, and Artsy was sort of this interesting mix of art and technology. And getting to work alongside engineers at Artsy is like literally why I decided to pursue this career path. Um, so knowing that that the team at Artsy was a team of engineers that I was really respected, really excited by. Um, it started to become like really exciting, the prospect of getting to work with these people more on a day to day than I had been in my previous role. Um, so so yeah, so sort of like, as I started to start my job search, when I finished my boot camp, I, I got in touch with Sam, who's our executive vice president of product engineering. And we started talking a little bit about sort of what was happening at the company. And um, I also spent a few months of my um, time away uh, working as an engineer at a company in the real estate business. And the company was amazing and I loved the team and it was super supportive environment. So I knew that like that was going to be a high priority for me when I was searching for my full-time role. Um, but also, you know, working in an industry that was not one that I was personally passionate about, uh, became really clear like, oh, like does it matter as an engineer to work somewhere? that you're excited about like what they're doing in the industry they're working in. And I think for some people it may not. And I also think a lot of people have an impression that, Oh, if you're just sort of like in the code base, does it really matter that much? But I came to realize like, Oh yeah, I really
1: for you it
0: matters
2: for me it really mattered exactly and I had a conversation actually with Mike our CEO when I was sort of deciding up between a couple of offers and and where I wanted to go next and Mike said something that really stuck with me that was careers are made in the like Saturday morning that you're like working on a problem because like you really want to figure it out and uh you really want to sort of like get something done because you really care about what you're building and like that immediately i was like i really find what artsy's building to be so like intellectually interesting and exci- and also just really exciting so that felt like a place where i would be super excited to spend those like extra hours like solving a problem and definitely in the last few months being back here it's like very clear to me that yeah i'm just someone who's never gonna work somewhere where i'm not a Totally, totally excited and bought into what we're building. So, so yeah, Artsy ended up being sort of like a actually an easy decision coming back.
1: That's cool. Well, kudos for you to be able to make that (laughs) emotional journey happen because it would have been hard for me. Um, so there's also something here. I think there's like a cool thread here too, where like you left and you came back, and I wonder if that uh, perspective. Triggered any insights on like what's cool about Artsy, what Artsy can improve, um, because Justin also like spent some time away and has come back. So I wonder if there's like some fresh eye perspective that, that y'all can
3: kind of share with us.
2: Yeah, Justin, what do you what do you think about sort of spending a little bit of time away and then coming back?
3: Well, mine was a a bit of a different context, so um, it, it, it's it's harder for me to frame it in the same way, and it's also been sort of relatively recently. So to to spread some context. Um, I mean, I think 2020 was hard for everybody, but in particular, I just didn't have the support systems that I needed really set up to, to take care of my mental health. And I got in a really interesting situation where, um, you know, I always have this like drive, this urge, this need to like do things to create, like, it's just like, it's fundamentally how I define myself. And for better or worse, I also derive a lot of my own value and self-worth from the work that I do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a thing that, uh, you know, I see a lot in my dad. My dad was like this tremendous workaholic and I'm not advocating for that. It just is what it is, you know. But, you know, I, there's always these exciting opportunities to sort of bring things to the world and, and like create something new. And that like really gives me energy. But I got to a point last year where like I was trying to work harder and harder, but I was getting much less done. And so like the harder I tried, the less I could do. And, but I, like, I couldn't lay down at night and turn off my brain. It would just keep going. It would spin for hours and, and that like went on for months. And, uh, you know, I got to a point in the beginning of this year in January where I was just like, I got, I was in a meeting one day and I was just like, I had like a semi panic attack while I was talking in a meeting and I was like, okay. Uh, I can't do this. <laughs> like, I, I have to take some, some time off and, and it's so funny because like, I care a lot about the people that I work with a, because like RT is a great place and like all of you are awesome, but, but B just cause it's like, you know, I try to lead my life in a very empathetic way. It's like, I try to understand people's problems and and I'm always advocating. It's like, Hey, if you need time off, take time off. If you're struggling, you know, if you're working late, if you're doing all these things, please take care of yourself. It's so important. And, you know, I was a tech lead at the time. I I sort of lost that thread for myself because I think when it's so close to you, it's really hard to see it. Right. And also these things don't just like register as like, Hey, there's something going on. It's just like, you know, you know, you're not feeling great, but like, you know, it's not that I never took time off. I did, but it just, you know, didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as helpful. So, so for me, um, I'm coming back. After going through some pretty intensive therapy, after like realizing that I have general anxiety disorder and sort of getting treatment for that. And like that I had ADHD and that was like affecting some of my things and getting treatment for that. And so I'm coming back with a little bit more emotional intelligence, uh, more insight into myself and to like how work affects others. My perspective of coming back to arts is a little interesting because like, I think one of the challenges that we as an organization, but not just Artsy, that we as an industry face, is that, you know, it's a very competitive industry, generally. um, And we really have to make progress. We have to move the needle. We have to grow. We have to, I mean, because, you know, especially as a a smaller startup that you're trying to build towards this, like, long-term sustainability and ultimately, like, you know, provide this value is kind of what we're here for. You've got to push. But also we're at the hardest time to do this sort of knowledge work, like probably ever in, in history, just because of these unique circumstances. I, I think the thing that I, I come back with is just the realization that everybody's a little bit burnt out and yeah. uh, it doesn't matter where you are, what your role is. It, you know, you probably you you probably need to be taking a bit better care of yourself than you realize and that's sort of the lens that I sort of see everything through. So, you know, I find, I find artsy has this, this really interesting challenge where people are really empathetic here and we care a lot. And we, and we, we, I mean, from leadership all the way down to your team members, you hear it, take care of yourself, take time off. And, you know, when I talk to Sarah, my manager or, you know, talk to anybody in the organization they were super supportive, they're like, whatever you need, you know, take it. But also you as an individual have to reach out and we like, work really hard and push really hard. So it's like, we have that sort of like fundamental friction that I think is hard to work through, but we still have to, you know, put in the the labor to get there.
2: Totally. Yeah. And I do think that, uh, the shift culturally that I think Artsy went through in the time that I was away or in the couple of years, um, sort of in that transition has been, uh, a lot around sort of, having a more structured and kind of goal centric structure the way that sort of like Mike, our new CEO comes in and has really clear uh, way that we do OKRs as a team and how we set goals and how we're going after a much more specific, a much more specific. Uh, like, like
1: cadence of our work or something. Cadence
2: of work and goals and, and just a lot more structure than was the case under Carter, who's our founder and former CEO. Um, And I definitely am like really curious for like your guys' take on how that has shifted the company culture, because I think you could make an argument that before there was this kind of like more free form way of working and more free free form way of, you know, building products and going after different business opportunities, uh, which... I think for certain personalities can be really great, but I think for other personalities can actually be kind of stressful. Um, whereas I think on the flip side, having this more structured uh, way of approaching our work uh, can be a little bit more "quote unquote" like Type A and more intense, or it can be more clear and easy to sort of figure out like, am I hitting my am I hitting my goals? Am I able to track my progress properly? So like for me personally, um, I've loved Artsy in every iteration, but I feel like in terms of like my mental health, being in an environment where it's really clear sort of what we're going after. And it's really clear what I need to do to be successful, which I think also partially has to do with the difference between being a software engineer and what I was doing before, which was communications and PR. Um, But I, I think having that clarity for me has been, Actually, better. Um, but I also think that that would not necessarily be the case for anyone. So I'm, everyone. So I'm curious uh, what you guys what you guys think about that.
0: I can take a shot at that. Yeah, I first agree that as with I think any company that goes from being you know a a, a one person company to a 200 plus person company, right? That is there is a growth that happens there your culture changes, your expectations change. And there is a certain level of like maturity and and bureaucracy that has to come with a larger company. If you run a 200 person company, like a 10 person company, you're gonna have a really bad time because everyone's just gonna be doing whatever they want and running around and no one's gonna have any idea where the company's going and you're gonna run out of money and fail. So there is this level of, you know, okay, we have product managers now, right? We have like a, a really clear cut separation between like product and design. Um, we have engineering teams that are organized kind of by like business as opposed to by like you know product area. Um, there's a lot of things that look different from when you know I started at artsy back in in 2016. And I do think that there are a few things that I think about as results of that organizational maturity and that shift from a more freeform culture of you know product and engineering to, More structure, more clarity, more like, you know, clear goals and around what we're building, why we're building it, um, what we're going to do with it when we launch it. I do think that one is that there is less incentive to burn for no reason, right? That I think when I hear companies or people talk about crunch, I think when you have a clear goal and a clear deadline, you oftentimes end up with some crunch toward the end, right? Because you're like, "crap, we're not going to hit this clear goal, this clear deadline." Like we might have to, you know, work late for the the couple of weeks or like the month beforehand, and uh, and that happens sometimes, right? That happens at Artsy. That happens at other places. Um, I think I've seen that happen less at Artsy than most other places I've I've heard about or seen. But sometimes we have moments of crunch. And on the other hand, if you don't have a clear goal definition deadline. It's not like you're not necessarily in crunch mode. You're just in like, you work a lot because you really, you know, care about the product or you're excited about the thing that you're building. It's not like there's a like organizational like goal we're trying to hit. It's like, I just really want to like drive and and get this thing. I think that's kind of a, a weird distinction to make perhaps. But what I'm getting at there is that I think it's, maybe in the long term it like produces a healthier like working culture and amount of like hours worked and, and crunch that happens when you're not just feeling like I'm gonna like work a lot all the time because I'm you know trying to do this thing or I'm excited about this or like someone told me this was important to them. I am gonna like work a you know consistent amount of hours and then I know that when there is like a deadline and a goal that we need to hit that there might be, you know, some level of like extra work involved there. So it's kind of, it's establishing an expectation is really what it comes down to. That the expectation is we're going to try to hit this goal as opposed to the expectation being you're going to work a lot.
1: Yeah, I I kind of straddled. Uh, I joined Artsy in 2017 before we had some of the rigor that we have now. And I definitely, like if I think about my job satisfaction, it really increased when we started to add some of this structure because with the structure, I can like um, work within it to, to be creative or to solve problems in interesting ways or whatever, attack technical problems. If I've got that structure at my back of, you know, two week sprints, retros, planning meetings, a PM, you know, like a roadmap, like those kinds of things set me up to like, not have to think about that stuff. So I can focus on, you know, uh, delivering business value or helping our users or whatever it is. So to me, the structure is what kind of like gets you to being able to work within that structure in a healthy way.
2: Totally. I also think there uh, another big change that has taken place and a part of this is also coming back as a fully remote company, uh, rejoining Artsy when everyone is remote. I also moved to Colorado, so I'm like a fully remote employee. And when I joined Artsy at the beginning of 2016, uh, I was you know, fresh out of college, I was fresh in New York. And it was a super social experience of being part of the company. And the culture also was very like, social, we had tons of like company wide events all the time, we had our weekly happy hours that Artsy at the time was kind of famous for. And um, I definitely feel nostalgic for that time. And I think that I miss that and I'm excited for when we're all back in the office to kind of be together because I think having that social connection has been something I've missed but on the flip side of that also having a pretty healthy separation between work and life I think can also be really helpful and has uh proven to me for me again to be really positive for mental health to be able to really like turn off when um, when the workday is done. Whereas like when I first started artsy, like everyone used to just like hang like in the evenings. And, um, yeah, I think there's, again, arguments to be made for both sides, both parts of those things.
3: I think the, the, the separation in a remote work is, is really important. Um, the thing about the pandemic in general that I think has been really hard is because like so many people, not just aren't really set up for for remote, you know, generally. I mean, because like you think of like all the people who are still in New York who have like tiny apartments. You know, when the pandemic first started, I was in little Italy in this really, really like tiny shoebox of apartment. And the whole reason I was there is because it was a three block walk to Artsy, right? It's super close. But I literally could walk in my room and turn around, but that's all I could do. I had a bed and a desk and like a TV stand and and, and like, you know, maybe like a two foot by four foot like walkway so it was like it was nothing
1: and you're saying that that environment didn't lead to healthy habits justin
3: no no i got out of there as quickly as i could but because things that i would rely on prior to the pandemic. Like, you know, I would go out to meet friends. I'd go to meetups. I would go to like, I'd go out to, you know, uh, try a new craft, like go to, you know, some workshop, you know, do something like have all these avenues to express myself. All of those like closed pretty rapidly at the same time. So I went from like being relatively social to like doing nothing, seeing nobody like Thankfully, like pre-pandemic, a few months before the pandemic, I, I met the my partner who I'm with now and she has really saved my sanity. But like she's been basically the only person that I saw like most of the pandemic. And the only thing that we really had that I really had was work, you know, like I don't have a family. I don't have like an established social group really in New York that I would be like comfortable hanging out with all the time, right? Because we're in a pandemic, so. There's no separation, which I think makes this moment super hard. So it's like at the end of the day, when I finish working, I would just program more. Like maybe I wouldn't do work stuff, but it's like, what else am I going to do? Right. It's like, so uh, yeah, doing that for a year is not good for your mental health. So any, anybody out there who is thinking about going remote or is doing remote work, make sure that you have things to do. Make sure that you have reasons to get yourself out of the computer and, more importantly, in my opinion, to get you out of the space of where you do your work, because your sort of mindset goes to like, oh, yeah, work. This is this is I sit down here to do work. And like, you know, if you're not working, don't sit there.
1: Cool. I want to pivot a bit to return to a topic that uh, kind of stood out to me. So, um, you know, I believe that uh, the engineering industry can be more inclusive if we sort of go away from this uh, outdated idea of like the lone genius programmer, you know, programming all the time. There's like a lot of unhealthy stereotypes that um, I grew up with, certainly about programmers. Um, And so, like, I want to get to a point in our industry where it can just be a job and someone can work 40 hours and deliver great value in an engineering organization but when I think about that versus my own experience, like I totally worked way more than 40 hours when I was new to this industry and like, you know, spent a lot of time learning on my own. And and so when I think about like what I want versus what my own experience was, there's like this dichotomy of, you know, that that it really, we kind of do set the industry up for not being as inclusive as maybe it could be. And so I wonder if this like rhymes with anybody else's experience and like, how do you balance like <laughs> this inclusive idea about you know you shouldn't have to work all the time you know if someone's a single mother and they want to join this industry they should be able to and like they shouldn't have to you know like cram javascript books in into their lives so I, don't know, I just wanted to throw that out there and see what other people thought about it
2: yeah i mean i think that really resonates with me cuz that's definitely one of the reasons why i did not end up going a path like this when i was ex- first exposed to software engineering in college i i think that I like went to I started taking a couple of computer science classes when I was an undergrad. And I just remember being in that space and being like, okay, like, this is not me, like, I'm not gonna be like in the basement, like of our computer lab, I went to Berkeley in California. And like, these kids would just be like, Cramming away at all of these different projects and studying, and that just was not me. You know, I was part of um, a sorority in, in college, I was part of a co- student co op, I worked for the newspaper, I did all these other things. And I was just like, that's just, I'm not that person. So, like, this isn't a career path for me. And I do think a lot of those like stereotypes like were kind of getting into my head. And I think honestly, like, being at Artsy was really impactful for me because there's quite a few engineers at Artsy um, who. Are just really like cool, fun people. I think that Artsy draws a particular type of person to our engineering team that are generally like pretty creative, like Justin, what you said, and the things that you're that you're interested in. It's very common for people to have kind of a creative practice outside of,
1: and maybe they didn't even go to computer science, like maybe they have no computer science background.
2: Yeah, totally, and also exactly meeting folks who had also done boot camps and sort of had this more alternative path. Um, so something that I've that's been a big learning for me this year has been like absolutely this can be a job where you don't have to be this doesn't have to be your like thing that you're doing on the side all the time like I I am interested in doing side projects but like in my heart of hearts like when I'm out of work like I want to be outside I want to be doing something active um, I don't want to be on my computer and I'm trying to sort of like actually Reconcile that right now, because I like I am interested in in sort of exploring other things with as a software engineer. But it's it's hard. I mean, when you're spending all day on your computer to to finish work and continue being on your computer. So something that's really important to me is to sort of share this message and be an example of someone who is not what like you would stereotypically think of as an engineer. And I really genuinely do believe that's shifting so much um, in the industry, which is is heartening for me.
0: I also have thoughts on this. I am someone who wants to be really good at my job and wants to be a contributing member of my team and wants to learn a lot and like be an expert. And I am also I struggle to be someone who is like constantly, you know, working on side projects, like getting involved in open source or reading, you know, textbooks or something. And uh, and oftentimes when I do you know make some time to do some kind of learning then I end up feeling kind of inadequate because I'm like damn I need to be doing this all the time right I, I can't be doing this for you know three hours a week I need to be doing 10 hours a week or 15 or 20. so i I struggle with this because uh, a lot of people who I really look up to um, people like uh, former artsy employees orta and Ash um, Justin I think of you as someone who does a lot of like you know open source work and private projects John you too really um, and plenty of other people who, who still work at artsy Um, Again, who like, I really look up to and I'm like, wow, I want to be the kind of engineer that I see these people being where they really have this expertise, this knowledge, this ability to contribute both, you know, code and culture and, and to be this kind of like really just impactful force on uh, Artsy's engineering team on any engineering team. And I I find myself feeling like, like Anna said, I also want to do things that are not coding. I, I struggle to get myself to sit down outside of work hours and work on, you know, a coding project and and do this thing and do that thing. And one learning that I've actually had in the past year has been just to try to lower and clarify my expectations for myself. That I have been doing a, a Sunday pairing session with a good friend of mine who went through Flatiron Bootcamp recently and just landed her first gig as a programmer. Big shouts to Barbara! So proud of you. Um, so we have gotten together like every Sunday. And for a while, we were working on an app together, which we eventually launched to the the Play Store. And that happened. That was really exciting. Right now, we're just, like, meeting and we're both working on our own things. I'm studying some, like, computer science fundamentals that I feel like I missed out on because I never graduated with a CS degree. Um, She's studying some stuff that she wants to learn for her new programming gig. And we do this for two or three hours. Yeah. Two or three hours on a Sunday. And some weeks we skip because one of us has something going on or we're really stressed out or uh, whatever reason. And... I have to keep reminding myself that I have accomplished more in two or three hours a week with some consistency than I accomplished in the year before that of feeling like I should be doing more and occasionally having, you know, like really productive weekends where I spend an entire day coding on something and then not touching it for three months. So for me, part of what this goal of both being a quote-unquote good programmer, and, and that's different for everyone, right? I'm not trying to enforce a standard on that, just what, what I think of as a quote-unquote good programmer, and also trying to allow myself to have other interests and other activities outside of programming to let myself be my, my own model, right? To not say, oh, just because I see this person doing it this way means I have to do it this way. Part of that has been trying to remember that little chunks can have a big impact over time that I don't have to spend all of my time doing this. I don't even have to spend, you know, most of it or any any goal is arbitrary and it's more important to just do a little bit consistently and come back to that than it is to drive myself to the point of failure day after day.
1: I have recently started a habit of writing a weekend review blog post and in that blog post I try to recognize things that I've done in that week as like a way to reinforce like hey you know maybe i had higher expectations for myself but like look at all i got all the stuff i did and and so that's that's one strategy i'm using to just try to like let myself off the hook and like you know even that habit i missed a couple i missed a week writing that blog post that's okay like they're habits they're meant to be tools in your toolbox not something that makes you feel bad or worse
3: i find that this is this is an interesting and and sort of challenging area i mean because like This, this industry, this, this is, I don't know, programming is unique. Um, when I was in school, I didn't want to be a programmer. I didn't do programming in high school. I wasn't like a kid who was like breaking out his programming books. When he was 14, I didn't program till college. Um, the thing that I wanted to do was animation. Like that was my thing. I wanted to work at Pixar. Uh, I just can't draw worth a damn. So (laughs) that didn't work out very much. Right. So it's, it's a creative field and that is why I spend so much time on it. This is my art. This isn't like, you know, I don't, I don't think about scaling myself to like solve industry problems. I don't think about like building the next cool product. Like I have uh, a craft and sometimes the things that I like to do is just dive down a deep hole. And fix some like really tiny problem. But the journey is really interesting. And I learn a lot of kind of interesting things. And for for me and my personality type, the reason why I do a lot of side projects and do a lot of things is because I, I sort of like learning too. And um, I, I I see myself as sort of like an information curator. Like I just gather a lot of stuff. Um, So I'm always on GitHub. I have like 3,000 stars on GitHub. Like, you know, so it's just like, But, but this sort of stuff is interesting to me. And the thing that I wouldn't want is someone who doesn't share those interests to look at me and be like, dang, I really need to be like that. You know? Sure. Because the other thing to think about like being a developer is that you bring yourself to work, your, your insights, your expertise. I mean, you could build a company with like 30 white guys who really love how to program and like, that's their life. But like, we know that that's a bad idea, right? You know, like we don't just give lip service to diversity. Diversity is like important because it's all of these different experiences. It's all of these different perspectives that brings sort of this rich tapestry to this thing that you're building that makes sure that you're not, you know, having people fall through the cracks that, you know, you haven't blind spots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, the the thing that I would say to someone getting into this industry is like, think more about the code that you can write because you're more than the code that you can write. You know, what you bring to the team is more than that. Oftentimes it's not just like software problems that you have. It's not just like, oh, we need to write more code. It's like organizational issues, communication issues, like all of these things that like ultimately end up taking a lot of time and a lot of energy. And, and you as an individual contributing to this product, you have, you have a say, you have a voice, you can help guide direction. Oftentimes it's as much or as little as you want to be involved in that process, but there's so much more than you can give. Uh, so, you know, take the time that's comfortable for you.
0: Yeah. I will just plus one on that and say that when I joined Artsy's engineering team, I I transitioned from Artsy's marketing team to Artsy's engineering team. Um, and was, you know, very fortunate that Artsy was, as I see, willing to take a bet on me that I was not someone with an extensive background, that I had, you know, part of a CS degree and some coursework online and and had, I guess, proved to Artsy my, you know, excitement and, and work ethic about, you know, what Artsy was doing. And they were willing to say, cool, we're gonna like take a shot on you as as a programmer. So what that meant for me was that. Yes, I was writing code from my first day as an engineer on Artsy, but that for the first year plus, and, and honestly, sometimes still, my biggest contributions were not the code that I was writing. It is, it is totally important to you know contribute code and learn how to be a part of a team that ships code, but like a lot of the job is not, I made the computer do the thing. That is a very important part of the job. That's why we all call ourselves engineers and developers and programmers. But that's not the end all be all. And a lot of times, the most impactful contributions you have are not actually the code you write. So I say that because, as Justin said, anyone who might be, you know, thinking about a career in programming or discouraged after, let's say, you know, uh, completing a boot camp and like, you know, trying to find a job and feeling like, oh, I don't know my algorithms well enough. I don't know Python well enough. Whatever it is you there is room for you there is more than enough room for you and you have something amazing to contribute and maybe that is you are like an incredible code shark you can show up in any you know repository and rewrite it from the ground up in two days and that's like an amazing skill that you have and maybe you will always be okay at coding and so good at you know managing people and bringing in the context and understanding the business needs or maybe it's something else entirely right that there is not one right way to be a programmer.
1: I'm going to brag on you, Matt, for a minute, because I was your tech lead for a minute. And and this was kind of when you were making that transition, you were sort of still kind of uh, finding your feet there. And I always felt like, I mean, I just, as a senior engineer, I think that I can teach syntax. I can teach kind of like approaches to problems. But what I'll say is like the thing that I was so uh, happy and like so excited to learn about you is that you're like really good at running a meeting. You're like really good Oh boy. At um at um taking notes and like bringing a group of people back to why are we here what are we talking about and like though so, like I have no idea if you're good at like writing a bubble sort algorithm but I do know <laughs> that that if I'm in a meeting with you we're probably going to stay on task we're probably going to get to the most important parts and you know uh, that'll result in more focus on the project quicker delivery of of an MVP of a thing or whatever and like there's much more value in what I'm just describing than your ability to do bubble sort. So
0: you're the best. I love you. (laughs) Thank you, John. I am, I'm blushing over here. Yeah. I, Anna, did you have any, any thoughts you wanted to add in there? I know this has been like, you know, part of your experience, like again, joining as a junior engineer as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, everything you guys are saying really, you know, lands home for me as someone who's coming from a different career path and someone who considers my biggest skills to be more on the like, quote unquote, softer side of things. Um, And also the other thing that has been interesting for me is having a lot of context for the industry that we work in and really like understanding our end user and the contributions that I've been able to make from day one in terms of like understanding the industry and product and, and business case that I, most people coming into artsy, even if they're really experienced engineers might not have. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime when I've been feeling like, oh, like my skills aren't there yet, or I'm still like working on developing this technical skill to coming back to exactly what you're both are saying, like these other uh, areas that I'm able to contribute in because of the experience I've built up to this point. I mean, a lot of people like, I, I don't know, I think a lot of people who transition careers think that, oh, like I wasted this time doing this other thing and I like I'm starting over and you're not starting over you're building on what you did before so all the experience I had at Artsy on communications allows me to be that much more of an impactful engineer and it's really a continuation and and building on those skills that um, definitely sets me up for success and I definitely think is true for for anyone else who's um, you know transitioning careers or has experience outside of engineering coming into this field yeah,
0: that's really well said that whatever other stuff you did before you were an engineer, it's a foundation. It's not you know, a house that you're tearing down. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap it there. It has been so nice getting to talk with all of you, and I appreciate the perspectives that you brought to this conversation, and I can't wait to chat with you all more. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Have a good one. Thanks for listening to another episode of Artsy Engineering Radio. You can find us on Twitter at artsyopensource, and you can follow the Artsy Engineering blog at artsy.github.io. Our theme music is composed by Eve Essex, and this episode was recorded and produced by me, Matt Dole. Until next time, take it easy.